Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, my name is Adam Rudy, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Michael Dormer and Hello. Alex Shear. Hi. And we are three friends. We are <laughs> friends? lapsed podcasters who we tried. Let's talk about it a little bit, guys. We, You had a a pretty long running show you did it about for about a year year and a half basically yeah, year and uh, yeah. a half dude do you not remember our two-year celebration did we do a two-year celebration yes oh my god well all right i will tell this story then. you will tell the story okay we, uh mike and i um we did a two and a half year run of a podcast called the weekly undertaking where we tried random things every week to try and kind of broaden our horizons it was a lot of fun and then we both started to uh, have lives and jobs. doing the actual yeah, yeah. jobs yeah. and school. And, mm-hmm. and and the podcast became a little bit too difficult to manage. And then the pandemic hit and it kind of fell apart from there. Sure did. Exactly. So we're, uh, we're back for more. Yeah. And I had a podcast called Mid Valley Sound, which was a one man improvised uh, musical comedy um, which was, took many months to make. <laughs> and then the idea of just continuing it made me very depressed and tired. So the uh, idea here with Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond is we're lowering our expectations of ourselves. <laughs> we're trying not to be ambitious. The podcast market is flooded with a couple of different things. It's flooded with podcast hosted by three white guys who are not inherently interesting people it's we flooded saw, yes go ahead and we just wanted to j- throw our hat into that ring yes so we're throwing our hat into that ring second <laughs> ring this is like a circus setup so multiple rings yeah yeah second ring uh rewatches of shows from <laughs> everything from you know bonanza to gossip girl to the office uh People are just re-watching shows and talking about them. Sometimes, Office Ladies, Always Sunny, it's the people who made the shows. Other times, it's people who had no involvement with the shows whatsoever. And that ties into our first ring, three white guys who are not inherently interesting people. We had no involvement with Everybody Loves Raymond at all. It's kind of like a Venn diagram. Yeah. Exactly. Uh well, I will say we have we're we're from well two of two of the three of us are from Long Island. That is where the show takes place. Absolutely, that's the end of our involvement. <laughs> but but that 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 is a uh, that is something. Yes, that is definitely something. <laughs> and we'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm checking my notes now, and yeah, that's a, that's going to be a big chunk of Sorry. this long. <laughs> Sorry for skipping uh, around. You know what? The, let's yeah. let's start over. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so yeah, white guys rewatching a show from thirty years ago is very in right now. And you know what? The other thing that's flooding the podcast market right now is um, COVID nineteen misinformation. So our goal today is gonna one of our goals today is gonna be to get that little tag on Spotify that links <laughs> to COVID nineteen health resources. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, this is this is basically what it's going to be like. This is everybody loves, everybody loves Raymond. And we are everybody. And we love Raymond. 
Um, so that's why we're doing this. We wanted something low effort and enjoyable to uh, keep us in the podcast space because we already paid for the hosting. So we right, thought well, we might. Tell them that. You're putting everything <laughs> right on the table. This is why here. people like podcasts because of the transparency. They feel like they can. They feel like they're in the Zoom room with us. I, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not wrong. Yeah. I guess there's for, more uh, transparency. Where for further flavor, Zoom. for further transparency, Mike and I, uh, the gentleman sitting next to me, uh, is sitting next to me. I am. And uh, we're Adam is in a Zoom call with us. It's yeah, not, Adam's yeah. joining us from remote this this week, and from most and probably and forward. most likely most weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't see. I really, I like you guys a lot, and you are, as I said at the top of the show, my friends. But I don't <laughs> very see strained. any. Se- <laughs> very strange. You were you 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 were hesitant to say that. You were yeah. <laughs> well, I was racking my brain. Do we have any connection? Besides just friends, we're not related, we don't work together, we're just friends. Yeah. Um, I don't see any situation where we're recording this podcast, all three of us together in a room. I'm surprised that you two got together for this. That's more effort than I thought we would put into this. <laughs> well, you know what? Mike doesn't have uh, very good recording equipment. I, I do not. I do not, ha- I do not spend money on... It's the only reason he's yeah, here. That's correct. Well, when this takes off in you know Singapore or wherever top seventy on the comedy chart, <laughs> we will go behind a paywall mm-hmm. and we will get you a microphone, one microphone. Thank you. I How you connect it. it to your computer is on you. But. It's on me. I'll just get. I'll just get them. I'll get to pretend stand up every single week. If this oh, goes fun. If this goes well in our wildest the, dreams. The goal of everybody loves everybody loves Raymond is getting Mike the fuck <laughs> out of my face. <laughs> um speaking of stand up, well, let's not go there yet. Um I have to <laughs> go back, back to my down. note. I'm sorry. <laughs> Setting up too many segues here. Sorry. Um, there we go. My note about Long Island. My curiosity um is that does Long Island claim Raymond in the same way that you claim Billy Joel or, you know? I wish. That's a great question, actually. And the answer is, so we were very young when when this first took off. It is kind of a point of pride that we have Raymond, but like kind of passing pride. Kind of like how, you know, if you, if you go to Flushing. You're not going to have people screaming out, hey, we're the king of queens. You know, you're not going to see you're not going to see that. Um, but it's more kind of like if you're watching Everybody Loves Raymond and you have someone with Long Island in the room, if from Long Island in the room, you know that within before the episode ends, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm fr- he's from Long Island, just like us. Yeah, you know? that is that is the that is the point of pride where it's uh, it, it's not. It's not something that we will parade. We will not uh, be talking about Raymond on a daily basis. Well, I'll say I think until uh, you know before now, and then. Uh, but uh, I think Lindbrook in particular, because it's it's the Lindbrook is a fairly small uh, Long Island town. I think that neighborhood in particular claims Raymond in a very specific way because it's probably the only mention of Lindbrook in any kind of mainstream media and. Full transparency. Alex and I both grew up, uh, grew up there. So full we, transparency. We, remember full that's tra- our full motto. Transparency. Yeah, we actually. Why don't we just dox ourselves at yeah, the end of this and episode? And your address is. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's your yeah? Uh, yeah. No, we we were both uh, 
born and raised in uh, the old Brook of Lynn. Sorry, Lynbrook. Brook, Brook of Lynn is another which, very, very, very recognizable which place. Which came first, Brooklyn or Lynbrook? Take Brooklyn. a guess. <laughs> Brooklyn absolutely came first. And then basically when Long Island was getting suburbanized, don't know if that's the actual verb, but suburbanized, um, people from Brooklyn came to Long Island, started started the town and was like, oh, we need a name. I like Brooklyn. How do we switch? How can we tie that in? And they just switched the syllables. Yeah. Is it everything the reverse of Brooklyn? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We spell every like uh, Spumoni Gardens in Brooklyn is Garden Spumoni over right. here. We actually, yeah, it's actually a brick for brick recreation. We just flip some stuff around. You've got a lot of park prospects, but you don't have a a prospect it's, it's very speculative you got that you got that right yeah, yeah we have a ridge bay we don't have bay ridge yeah right. exactly okay yeah. more examples berg william and oh you, you, you went to high school with berg william didn't you i sure did yeah yeah exactly yeah we need we need one every single year we parade berg william around in the, in the limbrook festival day parade every single year yeah is that real tell me about no. that no Limbrook the, festival oh, the limbrook festival parade? absolutely not no <laughs> Like you like Mike like a, said, yeah. uh, Limbrook, the only thing Limbrook has going for it is Raymond. And a train station. And a train station. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so what more broadly then is your relationship with Raymond? When did, Mike, did you first discover our good, our, our friend? I mean, let's, we, we love him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Full Everybody transparency. We love him. Yeah. Uh, when did you first meet Raymond? Let's put it in those terms. When did Raymond <laughs> introduce himself to you? Uh, genuinely, no BS, as early as I can remember. Uh, <laughs> the reason the reason being is because it was one of my parents' favorite shows when I was growing up. So, like, it was just kind of always on in the background. Um, or, or not always, but, like, after dinner at night when we were watching fam- uh, TV as a family, we would always have an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond on. Um, my parents were very careful to switch the channel when the mention of sex came up and stuff like that because as it will today. Yeah, as Raymond <laughs> mentioned in the beginning of every episode, it's not for the kids. Um, or actually, I think that's the season two ish in- intro in specific. This show has a lot of different intros. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it turns out that uh, I was reading full transparency the Wikipedia page and. <laughs> They pitched the show, it it almost went to air without an intro, and then they had to, they were told by CBS that they had to have a title sequence, and so... In later, in later episodes, in later seasons, I don't think they have a formal intro. I think, I think they, they just, earned the right to not have one, but... Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I think this will be my first time ever watching it, sitting down pilot to uh, finale, mm-hmm. but... I definitely have seen a very large percentage of them just by existing in my house. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, when did you, when did Raymond reveal himself to you? You know, this is so funny because my experience with Raymond is very different from Mike's. Um, And I don't know about you. I will come to you uh, afterwards. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're quite we, welcome. We'll, we'll include him in the podcast. Yeah, yeah why not, Adam? We care about you. You Thanks. are our friend I, as well. You know what? You're my friend. Full transparency. Full transparency. You're my full friend. Tra- you're, you're my full, friend. Full transparency. Uh, regardless, I did not come across Raymond uh, until I was in my undergrad years in college, where 
throughout my life, I probably, you know, here or there saw like maybe an episode in the background or something like that. But I never really watched. I never observed Raymond until uh, at one point during one year uh, in in my college uh, journey, I found it on just a streaming service. I want to say Netflix. And uh, I was like, oh, hey, you know, this will probably be something. And then I started watching, and then right away, I could not believe they got Manny the Mammoth from Ice Age to play <laughs> Raymond Moreau. You didn't make the connection when you saw the show? Like, you didn't know of him on the show? You just knew him as Manny? Was no, it just I, the voice that, that, that got you? You, did, you saw the picture, and you're like, that sounds like a, looks like a nice young man. I'll watch that show. And then you hear him, and then it's like... You, it's the meme with the numbers floating in front of you. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, I didn't expect you to dissect my bit so intensely. Oh, you um, were just picking it off? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I didn't but, realize. But, yeah. But, hey, no, uh, you're my friend. Yeah, no, full, yeah, no, 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 full transparency. No, that was just a bit. Yeah. Uh, regardless, I, I then proceeded to watch the entire show uh, from beginning to end uh, over the course of probably a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And at this point, this is probably seven, seven-ish years ago. So I don't remember a lot. I remember a few key points, a few, a, a few key jokes that stick out in my head as like moments I will never forget. They were just that hilarious. Um, I also remember uh, throughout throughout my watch that. Uh, uh, I, I kind of started uh, standing for Frank a lot. Uh, the, the Raymond's dad. what, like every time he came in the room, you would like you, salute. You stand up and salute. I mean, he was a veteran. He's a veteran of Vietnam. We learned that, or Korea. He 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 fought in Korea. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, just uh, kind of just became like really quickly like absolute favorite character. Oh, standing, standing. Oh, we, we thought, thought you, you said standing. standing. Like no, when he no, came no. on screen, you would. I would stand. You would stand and salute, yeah. Or, or like stand standing up for like the pledge Frank, of Frank. Frank gets a bad rap with justice yeah. for Frank. You defend, yeah. You're a, a Frank apologist. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Sorry. Uh, I was trying to use uh, hip lingo and uh, full transparency. I, I think I just uh, mispronounced uh, Stan or uh, linger too long on the Botched end. I think it. you linger. I think the linger was the was the issue but you know what full transparency sometimes i say things wrong too well great speaking of saying things wrong adam how do you know ray uh, when when did our when did our lord and savior ray barone come into your life well um speaking of watching an entire show and then not remembering any of it alex my experience with a lot of shows was similar to your experience with raymond um I would I watched like all of Cheers and Frasier uh sequentially and um could not tell you very many details about I can tell you more about Frasier but I could not <laughs> tell you very much about Cheers um but before like Netflix came around and made that possible most of my understanding of Raymond came about by watching the show in syndication on TBS like every day after school. Like, what is in syndication? Syndication is where, okay, so clearly, listeners, we don't do a lot of research and we don't 
know everything. We're just three guys. Two of us are from Long Island. One of us is not. But we're going to, I know a little bit from my time (laughs) watching television. So I'm going to explain any terms that come up in full transparency, any terms that come up that you might not be familiar with. So, Michael, I'm glad you asked just as we had scripted it. Um, (laughs) Syndication is um, reruns. So Mm. uh, like a cable network will buy a syndication package of a show where they get the rights to then air like, you know, the series. Sometimes it's the complete series. Sometimes it's not. But um, yeah. So every day after school, uh, I would come home and watch TBS and they were very uh the the sort of predictable sequential nature of it was very satisfying to my young brain because you had friends and then you had raymond and then you had the king of queens and then you had according to jim and then you had seinfeld and then at the end of the day uh like at nighttime it would switch back over again and you would get to see the same friends and the same raymond and the same according <laughs> to jim um you watched a lot of you watched a lot of those sitcoms huh I didn't, I, not to make it sound like I sat there from like 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. watching sitcoms, but. Uh, no judgment if you did. I'm just yeah, curious. Dude, no, I mean, I would watch that same, full transparency, I would watch that same block like every day for like mm-hmm. two hours. Um, and then over time, you know, they would show them more or less in order. Um, if you missed a day, you were kind of fucked. But the thing about Raymond is it doesn't matter. Because nothing changes. <laughs> nothing and there's no, changes. No. There's no long-term story to any of it, uh, at this point at least. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I would just, eventually I would get to the end of, from wherever I was when I first started watching it, I would get to the end and then it would the syndication would start the series over and they would play from season one through and then I would catch up. I would hope I didn't like watch the same cycle multiple times, but there's uh-huh. no way I didn't. Maybe I missed a few. In, but once we sort of as a family cut the cord when I was like late high school, like senior year of high school, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really pick up with Raymond at all. The only show I really watched in syndication and then again in streaming was Frasier. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I never, I never revisited Raymond. Well, that's an opportunity yeah. for us here. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole reason I brought you here is because of me, and I feel like I'm missing something in my <laughs> life. Full transparency. Like, oh, yeah. I want to watch Everybody Loves Raymond. We could profit from this. I don't <laughs> exactly. think we will, but <laughs> I we like, don't know. Profit Ray, from our friendship at the Ray, very Ray Barone, yeah. if you're listening. Ray Romano, if you're listening, come on the podcast. (laughs) Well, let's tie that into something I wanted to ask you, which is, so we're here. We are doing it. We're like 12 minutes into it at this point, and we are going to be rewatching Everybody Loves Raymond. We're going to invite some of our friends to come on occasionally and watch it Mm -hmm. with us. What do you hope to get out of this arduous process of, watching Ray grow and change, except not really, and then it's all sort of the same, and then it has kind of an ending, and then it, you know, then you start yeah, the well, syndication over. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll say this, that, like, that's kind of also what I'm kind of excited about, because I do remember, I mean, 
we've touched on the fact that like Ray doesn't really change that much, but there are like in later seasons anyway, there are certain arcs that develop like like Robert changes a lot as a character. Um, oh yeah. Eventually, when we get to season eight and nine, Allie, his daughter, goes through a lot, and you can see her developing as a as a character. But um, I, I'm kind of interested in like watching character development happening for some characters, yeah, and nothing changing for the main guy. Watching like three characters develop very slowly over the course of nine years. Exactly, and it's also like I wouldn't like. Part of me wonders is, is if we're going to see, like, an alternate reality uh, um, theory emerge from, like, did this major event where Raymond finally stood up to his <laughs> to his mom for the 15th time and then nothing changes by the next episode? Is that going to, like, is it just literally, like, hitting a reset button? Is anything ever referenced from the previous episode? I'm kind of curious to see what what that looks like because something i thought about too was like how much time is passing in between these episodes because Mm -hmm. in the pilot and we'll talk about it it seems like so we've already mentioned that ray is very horny throughout the entire series constantly yeah (laughs) but um the implication that it has it has been a while since he and deborah made love um (laughs) your face uh like how much what is the what's the time dilation of this series and i think it'll be interesting to see like the effects of events um over like from episode to episode i mean i also think that it's also just a difference of like 90s television versus modern television because in the past like star trek and things like that too even drama series that are very story focused the idea is, all right, maybe you didn't get home from work in time to watch it that day. Doesn't really matter. Next week, you can still pick up and you won't really have missed much. Yeah. Um, and that's entirely different from from today. Even we, we mentioned before in the the office and other sitcoms, more modern sitcoms like events happen. Relationships change. Not too much with Raymond, but no. uh Yeah. <laughs> And with the advent of uh, streaming services, like these types of shows are the norm now where mm-hmm. you're expected to watch every episode one after the next from start to finish because you decide when you watch them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Alex, what do you hope to get out of Raymond? I'm, hope- I'm hoping to get a few things out of my good old buddy, Ray. Firstly, I am thrilled to see how many times... In this show, I can spot a boom mic (laughs) (laughs) because I casually watching it for my first time. I counted like three or four times, like when I was not even looking for it. And this time I'm going to be looking for every instance. (laughs) We should have like a we should have a boom mic counter like in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Boom count. Yeah. Uh, So that's one thing I'm very excited to uh, to see, like little little uh, bumps in the road like that. Mm -hmm. Um. What else am I excited to see? I am interested in seeing kind of, I mean, you you guys say that like, you know, the show, you know, it's a reset button every week. And that is true. Like the show does not fundamentally change from a plot perspective, but the show in a way, and I want to clarify this as we're watching it, grows and changes because it expects the audience to have 
as it goes further and further along an air of understanding as to what is occurring in the show weekly. So I want to see like as we progress, is it going to like kind of amp up like the hum and drum where it's like, all right, this first episode, we had to go through the whole song and dance of like providing evidence that the parents are insane um like seeing kind of deborah's reaction and seeing ray's cowardice and like as we move forward maybe seeing those steps kind of get like skipped because we are all very familiar with them at one point and uh and kind of like see if we could deal with more like the consequences of those base actions because uh you know it is going to be very similar things for for a large portion of the show that is true they don't really eventually they don't have to justify the craziness you just kind of get it you expect it 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 ultimately culminating in spoiler alert for everyone watching along at home eventually culminating in them opening an episode with marie driving a driving the car (laughs) into the house which when i the first time i saw it i thought was the single funniest moment in all of sitcom history yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because this episode is more of the, and we'll talk about it, uh, more of the like small, like budding of heads between Ray and Deborah. It, it's and, the stage setter. Yeah, and Marie and Frank. And then as the show goes on and they add more characters and situations, things, I'm going to be interested to see because I don't remember if things become like unrealistic like crazy like you know does robert uh kill someone at some point i don't remember if that happens it might (laughs) maybe based on this episode it seems like he's like a hair trigger you know yeah he's he's just about right we'll talk about it uh so one that's all very well and good and i what i hope to get out of this is i hope that you two get what you want to get out of this um (laughs) Because you know, you're not excited for anything. No, about I am Raymond? excited. Um, okay. One thing that I'm excited about for this is the possibility of Ray hearing this and going, "Huh." <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That would be fucking beautiful, man. And I don't want him to be on. I don't want to like you know get any recognition from him. I just want him to know it exists and be like, "Oh, all right, <laughs> all right." Then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of love that. I, I, you know what? Same. If we can bring joy to Ray Romano's life, worst, not, love not to joy. Have worst Just, case, we'll we'll buy a cameo from him. Ooh, I wonder if he's. I bet. I bet someone from that show is on Patricia cameo. In the break, is definitely on cameo. Yeah, in the break, we'll look and see if anyone's on cameo. Yeah. Uh, but for now, I want to talk a little bit about the show as a whole. So, um, I'm going to let Ray explain the premise here. My parents live across the street. That's right. Truth is, I'd do anything for my family. And done. All right, well, he's already explained it then. Oh, my God. I Just, like, with that clip being audio alone, it just, like, I imagined that was the, the sound of him stuffing a body into the back <laughs> of a car. <laughs> and done. So he, um, he lives Much with his, uh, <laughs> his wife and his twin boys and his daughter. Um I wish it was like that. That would be a much better intro to the to the series. <laughs> that would, very different series, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
Um, yes. So I want to talk about where this premise comes from. So Ray has been a stand-up. This is 1996. Ray has mm-hmm. been a stand-up for about 12 years. He's toured. He's uh, you know been on TV a couple times. And then he does this Letterman appearance in like 1995. And this is the time of Roseanne and Home Improvement where they're taking basically taking any comic and putting them in a family situation and then suddenly that's a show. Yeah. Um, and then they have opportunities to work in their jokes and stuff. So I want to play a little bit of... He does this Letterman appearance, um, which according to the Wikipedia page, full transparency, he does this set, which is like five minutes long, and then lawyers are, quote, lining up to sign him to a development deal. Oh, wow. So I just want to play a little bit of it, and, you know, maybe it was the time, or maybe it was like, I don't don't know, I'm not going to set any expectations, but here. Our uh, ladies and gentlemen, next guest is a very funny comedian uh, making his first appearance with us tonight. He can also be seen uh, all this week at the Comedy Stop at the Trop. In Atlantic City. Do me a favor now, please. A nice welcome for Ray Romano. Ray! Little brown eyed girl for Ray. Thank you. I wonder why. Well, thank you. Wow. Thank you again. Wow, you're, a, you're too good almost. Good, I'm glad. It's great to be back here in my uh, hometown, New York. I've been traveling and the crowds aren't as good. I was in, actually, I was in uh, Montreal, Canada last week. Very, yeah, uh-huh. Beautiful city. I learned some French there. They're all bilingual. That's what amazed me in, in Montreal. I went into a uh, Burger King. The Burger King employees are required to be bilingual. Which, just think about that for a second, folks. Have you, have you been to Burger King in New York? Yeah, they're not even lingual here. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're gonna stop after that. So, after that one. so you're a lawyer and you're watching this set, and um, mm-hmm. the first the first joke because there's a lot of build up, and yes. he's you know really warming the crowd up. Maybe he's nervous. I don't know, but he. Well, he's been doing this for 12 years. Is this his, like, network television debut? I don't know. I don't think so. He was on Evening in, at the Improv in, like, 90, which is oh, an okay. interesting sh- set that I suggest you um, uh, um, look up because it's a little homophobic. But, um, yeah. So you're watching this, and uh, this was a different time for stand-up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the comedy boom is happening, and... Maybe standards are a little lower because the market is so saturated. You're you're making a lot of excuses. That joke killed. Like it did it, killed. No, that's yeah. what that's what I'm saying. Like to our sensibilities, that joke sucks. It's oh, barely yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like, airline. Okay. It's airline yeah. food level. Yeah, right? true. Very true. So does he go on for the bit, or is, does he drop Burger King? I don't King know after if this is line. the end of the of the bit. Let me let's see. Let, let's see. Oh, actually, I do think it goes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a <laughs> an applause break five, five, for lingual. Kind of draw your food here. <laughs> hamburger. I'd like a hamburger. <laughs> hamburger. I am to go. I'm gonna go. Take it out here. I'll put little feet on my hamburger. They're they're bilingual. Said it again. This this, this comedy routine is sponsored King, by Burger King. I have uh, children. I have okay. to take them somewhere. So this is. 
getting okay, into yeah. the material that then we build the show on. You know, right. this makes more good. I was a little worried he was going to do a tight five specifically on Burger King, but right. it'd be a loose five. Pretty, pretty loose. <laughs> Lingual. 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 Okay. I have, uh, yeah, I have a three-year-old daughter and twin two-year-old boys. Wow. <laughs> and let's interrogate the, for just a second, the applause break for twins as if... Applaud me. I had sex twice. No. <laughs> well, hold on. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's stop down for a second because we have to explain something to Alex. <laughs> Uh, he didn't do anything to get twins and it was a purely random coincidence that he got twins and yet, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the audience is just applauding the notion of children. Again, it was a different Yeah, time. I mean, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, I think it's supportive. Oh, let me out. I have to leave my house just to make phone calls now. You can't, no one really wants to talk to you on the phone when you've got kids running around. Every business call I try to make, I screw up eventually. Oh, yeah, yeah, the 15th is fine. I just need to know, where do you think you're going with that cookie? (laughs) Put the cookie down. (laughs) Not you. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. Oh, I didn't know you were eating a cookie. Uh, That's funny. Uh, That's pretty good. See, now he he picks up steam. And I also think that that... That bit could work today with like with yeah. work from home stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think he once he and this is something that was interesting because I watched the one from ninety and then I watched this one. Like mm-hmm. when he what starts year was out, this one again. This is ninety five. Okay. Um, when he starts out, he's doing sort of like hack kind of material. He's like very almost like leaning into the everyman thing, but he doesn't really have a point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think once he starts leaning into the family stuff mm. and has mm. that experience to talk about. That's when his identity sort of comes out. And that's when the jokes are a little more unique and a little better. Like the Burger King stuff, not so strong. The twin stuff, you know, pretty much stronger. It's pretty okay. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's, it's fascinating now because yeah, that, that makes sense that he would then go on to do this show. I mean, like you said, like family kind of, situational sitcoms were big for uh, comedians during this time, but for Ray, it actually seemed like it was a reasonable fit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know much about Tim Allen's act beyond the, you know, the grunting and the casual misogyny, but um, I don't know how much of it was like based on his actual experience, you know, other more, more so than just stereotypes. Right. But with Ray, you really get the sense that, you know, this is his experience that he's speaking to. Mm-hmm. And I think he goes on to talk about, I'm going to scrub it a little bit. Uh, he goes on to talk about, um, like, the whole Italian mom thing. But let me show you the, this is the thing. So, after this set, a bunch of lawyers apparently come back and try to sign him to a development deal. He eventually signs a development deal with David Letterman's production company, Worldwide Pants. And they then look for a showrunner to create this show. They uh, end up going to Phil Rosenthal, who had sent them a Frasier spec script because they also did Frasier. And for the listener, a spec script is when a writer writes a script that they have not been hired to write and then tries to sell it to a show. 
He didn't um, even let you ask this time, Mike. No, no, he read my mind. I read he his knew. face, his yeah, look yeah. of utter confusion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but they go to Phil Rosenthal and they show him a tape of Ray. Ray makes this tape that they send around to showrunners where he does a little bit of his act and talks about himself. This is the, the joke that uh, convinces Phil Rosenthal to do the show write jokes because all I do is try to make them laugh all day. That's what happens when you're a parent. You're a comedian for them. I can make them laugh. I can make an infant laugh in a second. I tell you, I'm losing my perspective on adult humor. It, if I, I wrote one new joke since my twins were born. Here, is this funny? What do you think it is? Hi. Hi, everybody. All right. For context, he was jingling his keys yeah. in front of the audience. He was jingling his keys. Which I mean, chuckle, yeah, chuckle worthy, good, yeah. good joke, right? Yeah, I mean, good enough. I mean, it's it good enough to get a multi- good enough nine for nine season TV show. Like it, yeah. it really, it's Who nine seasons could- based on jingling the keys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Mike, can I borrow your keys? <laughs> it's been done. I'm afraid. Oh damn it! I'll say this, like, also, so Raymond debuted in what, 96? Yeah, 96. Okay. So, like, around this time was also the Full House era, right? Um, um, yes. Full, well, Full House is still on. Full House started in the late 80s. Okay. So, here's the thing, right? We're, we're kind of sitting here. Basically, our narrative is like, what the hell did they see in in Raymond Ray, Ray Romano that was so special that they got everybody loves Raymond? But also keep in mind they got Bob Saget, who great comedian, but one of the dirtiest comedians to ever exist. Mm-hmm. And they were so desperate for a family TV show that they were like, "Hey, you want to work with with children and make a iconic family uh, family sitcom for how long did that run? Twelve years? A long time. Yeah, uh, the first run was like eight. And then Fuller House had like five, so like okay. fourteen years on the air altogether. So again, it's kind of like you know you see the success of Full House of any comedian that seems to be able to do this is a cash cow. Like we all still talk about Home Improvement. We all at least Roseanne was a is a, is a pretty constant topic, um, mostly because of her modern behavior. Yeah, but still, let's take a moment to um, disavow Roseanne. Yeah, and I think <laughs> in case that yeah. wasn't clear, yeah, in case that wasn't clear, yeah, I think let's make a habit of anytime somebody problematic comes up, either on the show or in conversation here, we're going to make sure that we explicitly disavow them, and if we don't, that me that's an implicit endorsement. No, and <laughs> no don't, don't do this. Don't do this out of full and transparency. Don't us, do that, please. If you cancel us, we will accept it, and we will not clarify that we actually disavow them. We mm-hmm. and one strike, please. <laughs> one strike. One strike. You're out. But I guess. I guess my point is just like if you're sitting at home watching this guy who's apparently crushing in front of these people doing family humor. If you're a TV producer you're dialing the phone as before the act is done. So yeah. I I get it. I, I do. Yeah. I think this was still the era where, you know, it wasn't to the extent of if Johnny Carson calls you over to the couch, you get a show the next day. Mm-hmm. But there still was power to, in the hands of late night, to create this sort of thing, to give That's someone it. a platform to show their uh, point of view and then to have that, 
be made into a show. But like, yeah, what you're saying about Bob Saget makes sense. That like after sort of the comedy boom, they realized what you know they could do with comedians and stand-ups were able to sort of helm these sorts of things, sort of fold their acts, or in the case of Bob Saget, not their act, into a you know workable premise that's you know reusable and resettable and all these things that we're talking about. So uh, after that set and after Phil Rosenthal signs on to the show, he and Ray sort of try to decide what the show is going to be. And Ray's idea, according to the Wikipedia page, is actually um, a couple of guys or a couple of friends sitting around and talking about stuff. And Phil has to explain to him that that is Seinfeld. Um, (laughs) And uh, so they end up deciding to do it about the family stuff Um, Mm -hmm. because I think Phil Rosenthal correctly identifies that that's what's unique about Ray. Nobody Mm -hmm. really cares about his one of the uh, bits from his uh, evening improv set was leaving a what he calls like a homo buffer when you're at the movie theater with a friend because you don't want (laughs) to sit your look of confusion like really encapsulates everything I was trying to say before about the start uh of his set being like sounding insane to modern audiences. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's not what's funny about Ray. What's funny about Ray is his family life. And, you know, so Phil Rosenthal identifies this. And then let's talk a little bit about the casting. So I think it's hard to, you know, after nine seasons, see anybody else in these roles. Um, but one that really struck out from the Wikipedia page is uh, originally when they were casting Robert, you know, instead of Brad Garrett, Brad Garrett hadn't come in yet. Their initial idea was to have someone like Danny DeVito, Ooh. which is a completely different direction, literally. That's really interesting. I love Danny DeVito. This is I'm very glad they got Brad Garrett. That's a very different kind of kind of vibe. Brad Garrett properly. Uh, and we'll get into this during the actual episode discussion, but he properly portrays um, the very real depression that Robert is just living. Danny DeVito would, like, it would be a happy depression. Well, uh, that's exactly why they... So what they said, what Brad Garrett said is that uh, CBS wanted a small Danny DeVito-esque character who had a bulldog (laughs) attitude towards Raymond. Um, mm. But because he came in and played Robert so beaten down and like as such a loser, um, yep. he thinks that they really responded to the like disconnect between him being such a big guy and then like Robert as a person is like so small. Yeah, like, he makes yeah. himself so small that it's it's a much more interesting character than I agree. It, it's funnier. Like he has some really strong like. There, there's a great. We'll talk about it in the episode, but there's a great like physical moment that mm. uh, Brad Garrett does. That is, it made me laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, a great actor. He is a great actor and a, a decent stand-up. Although also a little bit of problematic material in the past. I've never but it was the '90s. Go ahead. I've never seen Brad Garrett stand-up. I actually didn't know that he did stand-up. Before me neither. This. Yeah. The other interesting things about the casting, Doris Roberts didn't want to audition because she was in the middle of directing a 23-person play, 
which is a lot of people to have in a play. I think it's plays usually play. have like four or it's five a very people. Big play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently, the production company called her agent, who told them that she had Monday free. Which, if you're Doris Roberts <laughs> and you've been working like six days a week on this play, and then you have you're like finally have Monday off, and they're like, no, you've got to go in and audition for Ray Romano's mom. But mm-hmm. she goes in and she actually does the fruit of the month uh, scene, uh, and oh, that gets her. Yeah. She apparently didn't prepare at all for it and just mm-hmm. sort of did it authentically. And they, she was the one that they chose out of a hundred people who auditioned. I full, mean, full yeah. transparency, and we'll talk about this when the actual uh, when we talk about the actual episode. But that that fruit of the month scene. Yeah. It's very memorable. Yeah, definitely. That was definitely. probably it's my favorite bit. scene in the episode. Yeah. It's a great bit. Yeah. Um Peter Boyle, who plays Frank, got lost. And hey, so he um he was already in a bad mood and then he apparently played it with that, and that's what they really responded to. Mm-hmm. And then so interesting stuff about Patricia Heaton. Patty, as her friends call her. Patty she, Heaton. So up to 1996, she had a different show on the air every year. She was in three sitcoms from 1992 to 1995, where wow. she was like a main cast, but they all got canceled, and she kept doing new... And these were like full seasons, too. They weren't just pilots, but she was in a show called Women of the House, which is a spinoff of Designing Women, which I don't know if you saw any of that um starring delta burke uh as a character her character from designing women her husband dies and as his widow she assumes his political office for the remainder of the term so forget everything you may have known about designing women because now this is about a woman who takes over uh the seat of the her president. husband. Okay. Uh, the House of Representatives. House women of design. Okay. Yes. That's, so that's forget kinda, everything you knew right. about designing women and watch this woman design policy. Okay. Um, that kind of, all right. So what's, what's um, I'm just going to read you this line. Washington, D.C. was ill-prepared for the outspoken, quote, big, dumb, hick beauty queen's arrival to the United States House of Representatives, though she did form an unusual bond with then-president Bill Clinton, who was frequently heard off-screen. Now, Jeez. Jeez. Oh, wow. to okay. me... I can see why it only lasted a season. Well, that's the opposite of my reaction to that. Okay. I think we should do a spin-off podcast. <laughs> <laughs> where we just watch that. Um, interestingly... I guess, I guess my reaction was more like, it sounds incredibly problematic but i guess it was the 90s that wouldn't necessarily get it canceled well this was 1995 and you Mm -hmm. can probably assume that it was produced in late 1994 because it aired from january to august 1995 the lewinsky affair breaks in 1995 (laughs) Uh, i see so there you go that explains it that does indeed explain it. i think that might have had something to do with it okay yeah so she does this and then she gets the script for Raymond uh, during pilot season. Pilot season is where uh, they make all of the pilots 
or test episodes for series that they are considering bringing to air, that the networks are considering making a full series. So Thank Patricia you for Heaton, asking, Mike. Yeah, yeah, I read my mind. Read my mind again. I don't even need to say anything. Love so it. Patricia Heaton gets this script, and she is actually working as a babysitter, even though she was just on Women of the House. But apparently, you know that doesn't pay the bills. Uh, and she's like, "Sure, I'll take this." And she goes and auditions, and she gets it. And then you know the rest is history. The Wikipedia page, Transparency, says she was in the middle of getting by doing babysitting work and clipping coupons. Ooh. Can you imagine? I can't. But, I mean. (laughs) I don't think of that as something that is like, I don't know, everyone likes to save money on meats and shit, right? Very true, very true. But, you know what? Wikipedia says it, and I'm glad that... uh I'm glad they clarified that. I'm glad Wikipedia class shamed Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that it's uh, it's it's interesting because like after Raymond, she goes on to do like she's on the middle for a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's a yeah. big gap, obviously, but like the middle is another one that's incredibly successful family sitcom. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, she establishes a name for herself for sure. Mm-hmm. And then. Recently, she went back to her roots and did a show that only lasted for one season, Carol's Second Act. Did you watch Carol's Second Act? <laughs> I, I did not watch I've, Carol's you know, Second Act. Believe it or not, Adam, I've never even heard of it. Uh, um, It that is about, it, she's wearing a white coat. I don't know anything else about it. Oh, uh, wait, this, I do, I, I, I remember seeing a trailer for this. It's something about like a second career. That's that's kind of what I remember. After raising her two children and retiring from teaching, Carol embarks on a unique second act, pursuing her dream of becoming a doctor by completing medical school and beginning an internship. Okay, so it's, I see. So it's yeah. like she retires and then starts a second career. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and it was canceled after one season, although it was canceled in March of 2020. So well, there may have been other considerations there. They were yeah, probably very, like, very good point. we're not going to risk people's lives for Carol's second act. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't point. know. Yeah. But yeah, no, she how, had a how, really... Yeah, I'm go sorry. How, how baller would it have been if like they released the second season of Carol's second act and like she was working from home <laughs> like on Zoom? I was thinking the opposite way of like they had guest star uh, Anthony Fauci and like stuff like that. Oh, they yeah. They really could have played up the medical angle. They could have leaned into it. And I'm glad they didn't because there was so much misinformation happening around that time. But at the same time, the could have there's there's an alternate universe where Carol's second act saves America. <laughs> and I'm sad we don't live in it. Yeah. The middle was on for nine seasons. I'm looking yeah. up now. So as long as Raymond. Oh, well, um, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So she's, you know, matched her success mm-hmm. on Raymond. Mm-hmm. Um, the middle is a very, very good TV show. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to land like a big, a big thing. Um, hard to catch lightning in a bottle twice. Um, well, but the, what's interesting to me is that she did like, yeah, you know, she, she was a lot of people have their big sitcom and then they work sporadically and that's sort of mm-hmm. their status quo. But for her to, you know, have her big sitcom and then work sporadically and then have an equally big sitcom. Mm-hmm. It's massive. It's very, massive. very rare. I'm just very happy for her. I yeah. am too. Good for yeah. Patricia. Good now she can do Patty. whatever she wants. Yeah. I wonder what she's she doing. Probably right retiring now. and going back to med school um, <laughs> so she could fulfill her lifelong dream uh-huh. of becoming a doctor. Patty's second act. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So right. what is the thing that we said we were going to look up during the break? We were going to look... Cameo. Cameo. Yeah. See who's on Cameo. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to throw to the break. Okay. And hopefully, look, I've done no work in getting us any kind of advertisers or, you know, a promo code or anything. So this might just be a musical sting, but if... <laughs> it, oh, lucky, lucky you, listener. If uh, not, you know, it just... God damn it. Okay, so we're going to go look up what the cam- who's on Cameo, and right. okay. that'll be our exciting new segment when we come back. We'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to season one of Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond. I'm coming at you from the future to replace what used to be an ad for a product or service with an ad for the Baronis Zonus, our pay-what-you-want bonus feed, where we play games, cover raise other work, and more. It's not a subscription. A one-time donation gets you lifetime access to our monthly bonus episodes, plus a shout-out on the show. And if you're listening to season one now, give it, you know, 50 or 60 episodes, but you will hear your first name, plus a chance to speak with someone at your bank when they flag the charges suspicious and decline it. So go to postfund.org slash donate today and hey, let them know that Raymond sent you. And we're back. Okay, so in the break, we found out that Brad Garrett is, in fact, on Cameo. And, and he's, he's the only one on Cameo. The only cast member on Cameo. Also, Mike. I have, I have the price in front of me. Adam, I want you to guess yes. how much. Uh, let's go personal because there's a different price for personal use and for business. Right. So for personal use, how much do you think a Brad Garrett Cameo costs? I think it's difficult to predict this sort of thing because it's all about how they see themselves, you know? Right. Do they think that they're worth this much? Do they think, you know, maybe nobody wants a cameo from me. I'll put it pretty low. Or are they being altruistic and they're like, I can do, you know, 10 seconds or whatever. Um, It's, you know, keep it low so that I get to get the love of the fans and spread the joy. I think Brad Garrett is charging $250. $250. Okay, we'll do prices right rules. Whoever well, then I'd like to change my answer over. to one. Well, I'm going to go to Alex now. Okay. Um, okay, so... 250 um, from Adam. 250 from Adam. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I mean, like, look, when I think of Brad Garrett, my mind instantly goes to, like, Robert's mindset, which I know is not the case with how Brad Garrett perceives himself, uh, at least I hope. Right. Um, I'm going to go... I'm gonna go like one. I'm gonna go like one seventy five. Okay. So Adam is two fifty. Yeah. Alex is one seventy five. I didn't want to be a dick and just go like one dollar after you said prices right. One. So you're both wrong. Okay. Personal use cameo from Brad Garrett costs four hundred and fifty dollars. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, he's. I'll say this. He's got 181 reviews, all of them five stars. Or he's got five star average at the very least. How many reviews? Um, 181. Thousand followers. Okay, so apparently it's worth that much money. Yeah. He's made um, $72,000 from holy facing crap. videos. At, at a minimum. At a minimum. At a minimum. Uh, just, uh, just as a, uh, just as a uh, comparison... Um, Wayne Knight, who's Newman from Seinfeld. Newman. How much do you think? 
Yeah, how much do you think he costs? Charges? $50. $330. What? Wow. <laughs> These guys are making bank, man. These but guys are making bank. I don't understand why they charge so much. They're getting residuals. Because they're getting There are people that are willing to pay them that much money. That's why. I guess yeah, so. They probably do some like A B testing here and there to be like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna put it at two fifty for a while and then I'm gonna and see like, if I can look, get away with three hundred. Look look, here's the thing too with Cameo, right? Like if you set the price at like fifty bucks and like and you're doing it to be like nice, you're gonna get like a lot more work for yourself. True. Yeah, it's a it's a good look. You're right. It's it's a way to make sure like that everyone's happy. I'll also say that for business, because uh, Brad Garrett ain't no shill. For business, uh, it costs him seven hundred and fifty dollars. And what's the difference? You I can mean, get him to be like Herbalife is oh, great. I see. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And for that, you're gonna need to shill out seven hundred. <laughs> that doesn't seem like that much to get it's an endorsement. Really not. It's Especially really when bad. a personal is less is more than half of that. I don't know. Yep. So that's the sorry state of Brad, or the very fortunate state of Brad Garrett. Yeah, uh, he's fine. Yeah, he's, yeah fine. he's honestly he's fine. Ooh. So now, before we go through the episode, I just want to give you a little bit of an insight into what's going on at the time this episode comes out. In the time leading up to it, it is September thirteenth, nineteen ninety six. Okay, this is the day. Well, actually, I'm going to build up to it. So there's something called the 1996 Everest disaster. Oh, uh, God. At the start of the year. (laughs) Where are you going with this? Well, I'm just giving you an insight into this is what's on everybody's minds. You know, this is the year that they've been through. Do you think that do you think that people are tuning into Ray Romano saying, all right, what's his take on Everest? They don't know. It's uncertain times. The wind on Everest or snowfall or whatever claims 12 lives. (laughs) And now here's Ray Romano. Well, not for several months. I am so happy that he did not. (laughs) <laughs> go down that path of like having to acknowledge every tragedy it's but. okay so we fade from black onto just ray on the darkened set spotlight on ray a ca- a single candle no 12 candles behind him. <laughs> and he's holding a snow globe and he implores us to take a moment of silence as he dedicates this episode to the victims of the Everest disaster. Just as he finishes that, the twins and his daughter come <laughs> running in yes. and smash he the snow the, globe. He does the, uh, the flies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's important that we don't forget the 12 people running with that cookie. What are you doing? <laughs> um... Yes. So the 1996 Everest disaster. The Nintendo 64 is released in 1996. Cool. Dolly the Sheep is cloned in 1996. Oh, wow. I am but a month from being birthed. Oh, when your birthday is? In October. October, right. Yes. I For some reason, I, I guess you could technically have meant August because you would still have been a month away. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't nope. know. So I didn't October. want to... I don't want to give out my birthday, Adam. Are you okay with bleeping bleeping information? Yeah, I'll bleep uh, okay. your birthday. At this point, at the release of Everybody Loves Raymond, I am Deborah's old. So yeah, okay. Just, uh, just so, yeah, that time. is your exact birthday. Yeah, and we have an approximate address for you. I think if someone was going to do a public record search, you know, maybe hit up Spokio. Yeah, or something. <laughs> Spokio. <laughs> Spokio. You ever Google your name and you come up on Spokio? 
I have never come up. I come up when I Google oh. my own name on Spokio, believe it or not. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to ask one question uh, from Adam. Hmm. Uh, it is. I definitely think we're going to have to censor some stuff throughout our run of this uh, podcast. Now, let, let me hear your thoughts. For the censor, can we have it be Ray saying Deborah? <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. It has to be. <laughs> Or I love it. maybe there's some sort of like wanton sound that we can find that's uh-huh. just him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> everybody loves Raymond. We'll, we'll find everybody something. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. yeah, we'll find something. Um, okay, that is work I'm willing to do. Yeah. What else happens in 1996? So Charles and Diana divorce in 1996. Uh, did she, did after she die getting, in the car crash yet? No, that's okay. 97, I think. Okay. Um, also interesting. This- so September uh, 13th, well, hold on. Uh, 1996 is, this- is an election year. Do oh. you know who the candidates are in okay, 1996? Okay, so in 96, it would have been Bill Clinton. Yes. And I don't know who the other guy is. Um, Alex? I'm, I'm not sure. You're asking the wrong guy. Is it... It's- is it- Dole? Yes, it is. Yes, it's, it's Dole. Dole. This is hey, so, the banana guy. Yeah, <laughs> of banana fame. <laughs> of the banana fame. So, um, yes, leading up to the release of the pilot episode of Everyone Loves Raymond, can everybody I, loves Raymond. Yeah. Can I ask, mm-hmm. is this pre or post Atlanta Olympics bombing? That was the next thing I was going to get to because not only was this an election year, it was also an Olympics year. A yeah. a confluence of events that happens uh, every time, I guess. Yeah. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, that is true. Wait, hold on. I didn't. I, I don't think I've ever put that together. Yeah, me too. I may have thought that it was a rare thing, which is why I wrote it down as something. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this is the year that the pipe bomb goes off at the Atlanta Olympics and Richard yeah. Jewell is falsely accused of planting. <laughs> of planting, yeah, yeah. So, and when in fact he saved many lives, yeah. At this point, the American public has a couple of things on their mind. They are... So wait, this is post that? Yes, this is post that. I just wanted to note that if this is, if Everybody Loves Raymond is going, is supposed to happen in the present day, like as yes. it's released, Ray Romano's a sports writer. He sh- or Ray Barone is a sports writer. Yeah. He should have been on investigation for. He's probably writing a good bit about the Atlanta Olympics and how awful the the, the bombing was at some point. Well, like was, yeah, this yeah this came out in out. September. This pilot. So when were the when was the bombing? August. Well, the summer. I know that the much because yeah. it was okay, the Olympics. So at the very so at the very least, it was like maybe like a month had mm-hmm. passed. So maybe we're back to. Yankees. Been, it would have been done with by then. Yeah. Was baseball baseball was in the Olympics at some point, right? I'm not making that. Yeah, up. It, it recently got put back in. Um so I'm pretty sure I mean you're not allowed to have uh active MLB players in the Olympics. Um never were, but like, you know, college players, international players um are allowed to do it. Um, the reason I know this is because we I'm a huge baseball fan. We just got out of a pandemic where the only thing that I was able to watch was the KBO, the Korean Baseball League ah. and the uh, Olympics where uh, America took silver, the silver medal. Uh, Japan took gold. 
um, and uh, DR took uh, bronze after beating South Korea. You ever um, see the Tom Selleck movie, Mr. Baseball? I have not, actually, believe it or not. I'm not I don't go too deep on Tom Selleck movies. He's a washed-up MLB player who then goes and plays in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah. That, actually, that happens quite frequently, actually. Yeah. Guys, this sounds great. But what does it have to do with Ray Romano? Well, we want to know what he say, was writing about. I was going to say, if if baseball was still in the Olympics in 1996, there's a chance that he would have been sent down there on on assignment because right. that yeah, seems to true. be most of what he does is baseball. Did they say did where he out. was when he got back from uh, in the pilot? He was like, following he was the Yankees. He was in the Bronx he was oh. for four oh. days. No, I well, don't know. He was either in, well, no, Yankees probably had a road trip. So yeah, he was probably, no. statistically, he was either in Baltimore, Boston, Toronto, or uh, Tampa. Full transparency. I yeah. was making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't joke about baseball, Adam. Right. Very seriously, you have statistics to back it up. He I was do. probably in Baltimore, setting yeah. off the events of The Wire to transpire, <laughs> but four and a half years later. Um, it precisely. Yes, so the American public has two things on their mind. Clinton Dole, or three things, a cloned sheep, Clinton Dole, and their burning hatred of Richard Jewell. So, and the fourth thing is Ray Romano's sitcom debuts tomorrow. Yeah, so imagine it's September 12th, and you're eagerly awaiting the premiere of everybody loves raymond you saw the legendary letterman set and you, you got burger king you <laughs> you got you drew a picture of a burger with legs yeah you went to the bilingual burger king in montreal and then you go home and you sit down and you open the evening edition of the newspaper and you see oh no because this is the other event that happened on september 13th 1996 tupac Having been shot no. eight days before, no passes away. In no, wow. They debuted on the day Tupac died. Yes. Oh so my God. Tupac died so Raymond could live. <laughs> wow. Why just didn't they name that the pilot? Just imagine <laughs> sitting down there, just being like, "Oh man, Tupac died. At least I got Raymond to look forward to tonight." I would imagine, because the news is, what, at 6? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine that this was preempted by the news of Tupac's death. <laughs> wow. How do so you follow you that up? So you learned about Tupac dying probably like a half hour ago. They should have shot... Okay, so picture this. We fade in from black, and there's a single spotlight with Ray, and he's holding his favorite Tupac up. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Oh my God, I love it. So that's what is going on in the world as this premieres. So let's talk about the episode. Let's break it down. So first things first, Deborah is on the phone. Uh, we join the scene already in progress of her talking on the phone to some unknown person about Ray coming home from covering the Yankees. And the kids are, can I just say that this is probably the most stressful scene that kicks yep. off. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. I agree. I 100% agree. Insane. And, like, what a bold move, in a way, to introduce audiences to most of your characters with three screaming children simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I I'm I wouldn't be surprised if you looked at the minute by minute breakdown if they had this data at the time and just saw a bunch of people who were like, no, I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> if this is what this is going to be, I'm not going to watch screaming. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. Well, yeah. you know what? Maybe it's like. Uh, it doesn't last for so long, it, right? Like it's, it's a fifteen-second. I know, clip, but maybe. it's that's a yeah. lot of screaming. So it's mm-hmm. like you know, you started you start at the bottom. Now it's like everything Ray says after that's that true. is even more funny. <laughs> that's because it's like, point. well, this at is like it's a not joke, screaming. and it's not kids screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just I know that it stressed me out, and had I been alive in 1996, I'm very young. Mm-hmm. Um. I would have, you know, probably thrown my TV in the garbage. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's the move. That's a lot of untrue statements in that sentence. Um, so, I, yeah. Yeah. So Ray comes yeah. home and he is, he immediately goes into father mode. He doesn't really get the big, uh, you know, well, he goes into incompetent father mode. Well, um, I was going to say that like, he starts out by trying to help with his with his kids, which yeah. is something that in the later seasons, spoiler alert, we don't really see a lot of. Yeah. We see Deborah wrestling with him a lot, but we really don't see Ray getting involved. Well, it's interesting as the episode progresses because well, at first Ray is competent and then he remains competent throughout pretty much throughout this episode, he's able to manage the kids and mm-hmm you know, keep the house clean and stuff. And then in later seasons, I think we start to see that like incompetent dad trope yeah. uh, really get played up a little where he's just not even helping. But at this True. point, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see this change because, I mean, you both have not, well, I know Mike has not watched it like from start to finish. No, and Adam, yeah. I know, I, I believe you said you haven't watched this in, a, in, quite, a, in yeah. quite a hot sec. Um, and from what I remember, what you're describing feels accurate, but I can't speak to the legitimacy of that progression. Um, but I think that's going to be something very interesting for us to, uh, to pay attention to as we go. Like how, like the, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll rate Ray as like how good of a father he is and we'll see if that goes up or down. Uh, yeah, throughout, let's throughout do that. The years. Mm-hmm. There we go. Because we were worried that this show doesn't have a lot of stuff to keep track of over the yep. years. So exactly. let's. We're gonna that invent we... a a what should we call it a a dad scale. Yeah, a dad like scale. A, like a scale of one to ten. Yeah. How 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 da- how good is it as a dad? Is so Raymond. okay. So let's set some review, baselines. Yeah, we got we got the boom mic count. And we got yeah. the uh, the the good dad scale. Yeah, we got the dad. So let's set some baselines. W- what n- one being the worst? Who mm-hmm. is the worst dad? Uh, Peter Griffin, probably. Uh, I'm like macro. Like think oh. outside of the world oh, of television. Outside of sitcoms. Outside of yeah. sitcoms. Oh, I mean, there are a lot of really bad dads. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Let's let's keep it to sitcoms and let's say yeah. I don't know um, Archie Bunker. You know, sure. or maybe Fred Sanford. Well, I don't know I, if he's that bad. He's just ornery. Am I going ornery? too old with these references? Just a bit. Just a tad. Yeah. <laughs> I know Sanford has sons. That's all I know about <laughs> Sanford. I hate to correct you, but it's just the one. Oh, um, I apologize. <laughs> what about um, uh, uh, Married with Children? What's his name? 
Is that not Archie Bunker? No, that's uh, Ed O'Neill. He's a oh. bad dad, right? He's a he's an angry dad. It's yeah. it's it's interest. It's an interesting distinction. I mean, Peter Griffin is lazy, so that's why I, that's why I say it on him. He he. I mean, he actively verbally abuses Meg, like on, yeah, a, right. on an episode. Yeah, basis. he he's a crappy guy, yeah. and like, I mean, in the earlier seasons, I believe he has his moments, um, but like, you know, he uses them more as comedic tools rather than children. I mean, Walter White is also a pretty bad dad. There we. Go. Well, he does it all for his family. <laughs> That's bullshit. No. Uh, <laughs> Don Draper's a terrible dad if we're going to break into prestige. Yeah. The blonde I, I didn't watch all of, I didn't watch all of Mad Men. Yeah. No, okay. he's a bad dad. He's a very bad dad then. Yeah. He's a mad dad. Yeah. He's the maddest dad. All right, let's say Don Draper and Peter Griffin are tied at number <laughs> for 1. The worst at, at 1. Or at we one. could do <laughs> for for 10, I'd put uh, Danny Tanner into the ring. Danny Tanner, yeah. Danny Tanner's a very good dad. dad. I don't. Th- I can't think of any uh, mistakes t- he's ever made. <laughs> Honestly, he got, I can't. He got Michelle a horse that one time. That yeah, was, that and then she went into a oh, coma yeah. and lost her memory. That's, that's what a strange <laughs> way for that show to end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, it could have um, been. We would we would have settled graduating just a clip show. from. Yeah, it could have been any number of things. It could have been a billion things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Danny Tanner is definitely up there. Yeah, as far as best sitcom dad, um, I'm trying to think of other like TGIF. I, what's Reginald Vell Johnson's? What's his name? Carl? Carl Winslow on Family? Oh, Maddox. oh, Family Matters. Yeah, it's, yeah, I believe it's it's Mr. Winslow. I think it's he's Carl. such I'm a good sure dad Carl. that yeah. uh, he basically adopts Steve Urkel. Yeah. Right. Who is? I mean, he's not a. Well, actually, he is a dad. Who's the who's um, Will Smith's dad in Fresh Prince? Uncle or Phil. Or his uncle. Okay. Uncle Phil, well, yeah. Uncle Phil. Yeah, Uncle Phil. He's a dad good. figure. Yeah. He is yeah, um, father figure. rich, so you know, there's the whole class element of us choosing him as the best dad. Is that coded with like classism? So. I don't know. I mean, sure, but he also <laughs> cares about. I'm, I'm looking more for how much they care about their children. Yeah, that, okay. That's one more what I'm. No, going I for. think. Yeah. Yeah. I think let's like, say Uncle Phil and Danny Tanner are tied mm-hmm. for the yeah. best dad. If you want to throw Winslow in there, I wouldn't. I would not. I object. would say Carl Winslow is probably a seven. Okay. And now, yeah. Sorry, um, but I mean to uh, to now go forward. I'm curious to see like how are we going to be judging Ray? Is it going to be more by action or intention? Because we are following from his perspective for most I mean, of the show. I think it's, it's also, a mix, right? It is because like in this episode, he's not actually concerned with the well-being of his kids. He's concerned with how much is my wife going to yell at me? And he's concerned with, am I going to get to fuck? Yeah. yeah. He's very concerned. He, he is. He knows. When do I fuck? For a first <laughs> episode, it's kind of setting it up like Ray is going to just be a horn dog the whole time. How do I seduce my wife? He 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 definitely he pulls off uh, deprived at the very least. Definitely. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I I mean from his perspective like he knows his mom will not like put the kids in any like meaningful danger mm-hmm. he tries to like stay home and do the right thing no, even he, if it is for the wrong reasons he runs out with leo the second he gets mom pushed gives him the out pass. he gets pushed out so much to say about that okay yeah. but let's move a little chronologically we'll come Sorry. to that we're, we're, we'll, we'll, get to all over. Yeah. we'll get to leo well we're okay. just so fucking mad at leo um yeah <laughs> so okay leo ray sucks. 
Ray comes home and he's a good dad at this point. He's like, yeah. I don't know if he's Tanner, but he's Winslow at least. He, he's given it his all. I he's mean, trying. Yeah, I mean, he shuts up the kids by giving them cookies, which probably isn't healthy. But you know what? We'll we'll give it to him. It's a stressful afternoon. Yeah, yeah. you know, why have a long day? It. It's very clear. Yeah. yeah. Like, so then we see this so opening sequence um, of Ray assembling while giving a monologue about his life. He's assembling a sort of like Fisher Price like hard plastic playset, right. um, which you can tell he's doing he puts together incorrectly in two different ways number one because well, as, as we know he gets trapped inside of it yes which is clearly not the intended design second of all i saw him using a screwdriver and a and a uh, like power tools to put this together and i'm not sure that fisher price intended that if i remember correctly it's more like a puzzle piece yeah they usually yeah. just like clip on yeah. like giant clips so you got to wonder where Ray's head was coming into this task, but then give him a little bit of slack because he's also apparently being approached by a man with a handheld camera <laughs> who's asking him to describe his life. It's a valid point. That's a very valid I point. I like in the later seasons where they sort of do kind of a postmodern thing where he's like walking on a treadmill or his family's on a treadmill yep. behind him. They do. That's a better way to do this. This was clearly shot on the fly when CBS told them that they had to have an opening scene. Exactly. <laughs> That's they, actually they, a really good they point. They bought a Fisher Price like playset. Is like build this wrong. Pretend, pretend yeah. to be trapped in here. Ray, yeah. get trapped inside of here, um, and then call for your father for some reason, which <laughs> is not part of Ray's character at all. He would call and for his mother least. if anyone, or give a classic Deborah. Yeah. yeah. You know what? They're still very early. Yeah, this is early. Um, Okay, so we come out of the playset opening. For me, this was an ad break for on Peacock. Um, I am going to be honest. I do not like Peacock as a service. We are paying a lot of money. We're not a lot of money, but we're paying money to not get ads. And are you paying money for the ad-free plan? Your premium plus? No. Oh, well, no, <laughs> we're not. But we're giving money. Alex and I are splitting an account. It's two fifty each for for like a whole service. Like it's not awful. But I know, I mean, but I'm just I'm just don't want to watch the ads. Principle of the thing. Yeah, it's like I have the same gripe with Hulu. I think the the whole access versus ad free tier system is mm-hmm. bullshit. You um, and me both. I think either charge me $7 to have access and be free of ads. Don't charge me 5 for access and 10 for free of ads. Like, I would pay the me- the median or the the mean of those two. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Fuck. Anyway, well, fuck Peacock. Fuck Peacock. Um, yeah. Actually, thank you, Peacock, for hosting Raymond. He's very <laughs> grateful. Very true point. Not all streaming services could uh, can hold that much Raymond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we come out of the intro, and it's uh, Deborah's birthday. So the kids, I guess, have gone to bed at this point, and she and Ray go back and forth for a long time about when Deborah's birthday is. Ray has to use the day that he proposed to her. As days, days, yeah. yeah. So this is an interesting thing that gives you an insight into their relationship. That I'm wondering is is this explored further? He proposes three times, um, which seems like at a certain point a little. I don't know if we would think highly of a guy 
who's that persistent in this day and age. I mean, it's, it right? also kind of depends on why she denied him, right? If her point was, Ray, we're not financially ready to get married, that's a different thing than why the hell do you think I would marry you? Yeah. You know I, mean, I mean, look, he, here's what we have to look at with the, where it's the subtext, where she stayed with him after two times rejecting his proposals. Right. And then agreeing to get married with him. And then, as Ray said, after he got a job. A job. So maybe it does have something to do with financial stability. Or maybe she felt that she was too young uh, when he first proposed. Because she said said she was 23. 23 years old. Which maybe that, I mean. When she first. Our uh, generation is getting married older anyway. But, you know. That's still young. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. Putting that aside, he eventually figures out when her birthday is and that she's turning 32 or no, she gave him a look. So it's not 32, 32 ish, 30s. So if she let's work this out, if she was 23 when they proposed and their oldest child is three years old. Yes. Assuming that they did not have a child out of wedlock. um, Let's allow a year for the marriage, well, let's allow because it's the three proposals, and the first proposal was at twenty three. I so think they got. He, yeah. he said twenty three, then twenty four, and then he took a year off to regroup. Right, so twenty six so at this point when yeah. she said yes. Okay, and then a year to plan the wedding, twenty seven, and then she could be as y- young as thirty. But yeah. why would he well, say thirty two? So I they would had thirty one. If she had a kid at 28, and then the kids, the, the twins are now, like, zero, right. then she would be 31. Yeah, I'm going to say 31. Yeah, she would be either 31, 32, or 33, somewhere in that zone. Well, we know she's not 32. Yeah, so. she she gave him a look at, mm-hmm. to imply that she was saying, like, oh, I'm younger than that. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah. So she she's we, having... Cautiously guesstimate that she's probably 31. Yeah, she's probably 31 or even. Yeah, 31. 30, 30 31 makes the most rush. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because why would he say. Maybe she's pretending to be. Because that was like a very trope thing in the, the mm-hmm. 90s. Like, I'm um, not older than 30. Yep. Um, maybe mm-hmm. she's doing that. Maybe. That's possible. I don't know. We don't. We. Don't know enough about Deborah at this point, and we really don't mm-hmm. learn anything about Deborah as person in this episode. We pretty much that's n- a good point. Only learn she- about her as she relates to Marie Ray. and Frank and Ray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We also, knew, yeah. I also, yeah. We also know that she likes to go to the movies with her friend Lisa. That's about right. all. And I think yeah. we can deduce that she was talking to Lisa on the phone in the cold <laughs> open. <laughs> Well, we also oh. know mm. that she shops at Victoria's Secret. Right. Because as in the words of Frank, Victoria is not a secret anymore. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a good line. That's, that was, was a good line. <laughs> a line it, I'd like to think that was the first time that line had been used. I feel like it's been used since. It's definitely been used yeah, since. Yeah, I don't see any way that it could have been used before this. So I give mm-hmm. Raymond credit for that. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, Deborah is talking about how basically she doesn't want uh, Marie and Frank and Robert to come to her birthday party. And they're sort of going back and forth about this for a while. And then, God damn, this ad is long. 
So I want to play you the clip of when Marie then comes over. Because Deborah is complaining about Marie and Frank sort of coming over and making themselves at home and not asking. And then she just barges right in. Yeah, and then right she barges. With, with baking soda, yeah. And this is the first so, time that we see Doris Roberts as Marie. And I think it is probably the best, one of the best performances this scene in the whole episode. Like, it really establishes her character. Mm-hmm. So she comes in, she slaps Ray in the face, Chris Rock style, or Will Smith. It's questionable. <laughs> From across the street? No. But I was here yesterday. <laughs> Ooh, it's worse. See, that's funny. That is, that is, is. That is clever. That's funny. That's some- she just takes complete ownership of the scene when she comes in. Absolutely. There are a couple characters that do that. It's her and uh, and Frank that really do that every single time. Yeah. What I love about this scene, though, is that it is literally she comes in to criticize them and then leaves. And then, and then it just her heads out. It's yeah. so fluid, and her character, like her characterization, is so strong that like you instantly get why Deborah doesn't like her, mm-hmm. and why you know if this is her everyday life, why she's so annoyed by it. So I think she's just, she is the best performance in this whole episode. Like if Ray, who needed an acting coach to, you know, do this. Ray needed an acting coach? Yeah, apparently multiple. Oh, wow. Multiple acting coaches were brought in for Ray. Um, I'm not shocked at that, but wow. All right. But if Ray is, and you can kind of tell that his performance is not the most layered and energetic. Very monotone. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very monotone. It's very flat. Um. But, like, Marie is, like, the most developed character. Like, she's the most comedic character. Mm-hmm. Besides Absolutely. Frank, Frank is also, like, one of the comedic engines here. But, and like... I, I also do love that right away, uh, Deborah's kind of, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, like, Marie comes in and Deborah's kind of proven right in a way like yeah. kind of she, uh, her her concerns are justified that's the word i'm i'm, I'm yeah. searching for where uh it's not like uh like we don't have like any of like the oh the wife being over dramatic kind of discussion yeah it's like she comes in okay we get it she's right this is insane yeah because if ray is you know ray is the title character and ray is sort of you know I think we sort of what this scene does a really good job of establishing is that Ray is not the audience surrogate here. Deborah is like we are identifying yeah, with interesting. Deborah, and yeah. even though Ray is the title character and it's based on Ray's life and everything, it's like in reality, would you identify with Ray or, or like feel sympathetic towards Ray for being yep. a in Alex's words a coward? For being lazy, for being, you know, for letting his family walk all over Deborah. You, you know would what? identify with Deborah and You're hundred yeah. percent right. I, I guess I never really considered that before, but you're absolutely right that you're not supposed to feel sympathy for Raymond or not yeah. not too much anyway. We'll see how that progresses yeah. as well throughout the <laughs> yeah. series, because that might change actually. Well, I don't think Deborah ever becomes the crazy man, right? Like there are certain situations where you might where you might feel for Raymond, but like yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. The like, yeah, yeah, yeah it'll if, be interesting. If yeah. I'm remembering it correctly, like most of Ray's like nuance or character development is in his interactions with 
like Robert or with Frank or mm-hmm. to a lesser less to a lesser extent with Marie but I don't think that relationship really changes or is explored in as mm-hmm. meaningful a way and this is just based on what I remember from like 10 years ago but like Deborah is like you like you said most often the straight man in this show and we can really identify with her and sort of the crazy people around her. We see her point of view, even though we can understand Ray's to an extent, he's tiptoeing between these two, uh, his, you know, new family and his old family. Um, I just, you really understand the dynamic here in this scene. Definitely. Yeah. So then they go upstairs and we get into a little bit more about why uh, Deborah doesn't want them to come over. And she describes Robert, um, you know, his whole sort of personality. But she mentions um, his thing about touching the food to his chin every time he yep. takes a bite of something. Mm-hmm. Which, and, and then Ray makes a joke about him having to take his shoes off when he counts or something. When he counts to 12, yeah. So this is a textbook description of obsessive compulsive disorder. I was going to say, yeah. You know, at the time, I was curious, is this when As Good As It Gets comes out, which is that Jack Nicholson movie um, Mm -hmm. where he has OCD? Um, Is that in the zeitgeist or, you know, how much understanding of that is there? Um, I don't think, I think they do a good job of playing it um, here where it's just sort of something that is referenced but is not, yeah. yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, that seems weird to give a character a trait that is, you know, part of mental illness. Well, was, as it was that movie a part of the zeitgeist at this point? No, that came out in 1997, apparently. Okay. So So it hadn't Mm -hmm. come out yet, but I think that is a more sympathetic portrait of someone with OCD and some... Mm -hmm. No, I don't recall that being something that is continued through the series. So maybe they. Oh, it absolutely no, it is. is. It, it absolutely it is. is. Oh, oh, I don't yeah. remember that. A hundred percent. I can. Yeah. I can confirm it, Adam. It, it's not like brought up often, but every time Robert's eating something, he will do it. Wow. He'll touch his food to his chin. Yeah, that's commitment um, to the character. It, it is. It is. It also, and it's. I'm glad they don't make a huge thing of it every single time. But I mean, every time he does it. The first time in the episode, there's a laugh track, you know, like, yeah, the the, the joke is still running. Um, that is yeah. very interesting. But mm-hmm. I bring it up because um, as we see in like the later scene. So we'll talk about that in a second. Actually, let's talk about Leo. Uh, so there's the scene. Uh, yes. So the scene. Oh my god! Favorite Leo. character. So, I hate Leo. Fuck Leo. I I wrote down. Does this guy ever appear in the show I, again? I really I, don't I think so. That? Okay, I, I have to say yes. Mike, uh, upon Leo's entrance, Mike Mike did say something akin to that. Where he's I like, said, I, does this? Do they kill this guy off? I do not. That's remember what this I character. thought. Like, did does he die? Is there a is there an episode where it's his funeral? Or? <laughs> I would love it if they just did a hard dramatic turn for a single episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. It's like he. It's almost as like you know he's like the friend character for they got for the pilot, and then when they you know the show took off, they got like very different friends, and then like. In like the middle of season six, like Ray goes to like 
the graveyard. He's like, hey, Leo, it's remember, been a while. Remember that time? Lays a pizza on Leo's grave. <laughs> remember that time he stopped me from getting laid? Anyway, here's that crappy pizza. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think Leo they essentially. Yeah, go ahead. You have you have the notes. So correct me if I'm wrong. But essentially, Leo comes over and Ray's like, oh, hey, you just put the kids to bed. I'm taking care of them. And Leo's just like. Hey, I'm bored. Want to go get some pizza? And it, it's just, like he doesn't really give a shit about Raymond as a person with responsibilities at all. Yeah, He's you wonder interested. what their relationship is um, yeah. to where mm-hmm. clearly they're guys who hang out together. But like, I, I yeah, go ahead. I want to I want to add to this because when when Ray says. Um, oh, I have to watch the kids. The first thing Leo says almost instinctively, like, oh, just call your mom. Like in this, like this, this scenario has played out before and before it wasn't an issue because Ray would just call his mom. Right. His mom would be over there in a second and just watch the kids for an hour while he went out and get got pizza. That's a very good deduction. I also want to point out that like at this point, Deborah has gone to the movies. She said, I don't want. I don't want your mom. I don't want your dad. I don't want Robert watching the kids. Why did Raymond think it was okay to invite his friend Leo over if relatives are not? I don't think Ray invited him over. I think he just showed up. Does everybody in this house just walk into each other's houses? Why don't they lock the door? Yeah, right. Like If it's that big of a problem. They have a key. Well, yeah, I'm sure they have a key, but I don't. What? How come Leo can come in? Well, he didn't. He's, he not. He's got oh, pizza. he did. Okay. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have the pizza. So this is another thing: is why don't they just order the pizza? <laughs> like that would That's take such a good point. That takes the entire. Like, that takes the knees out of this problem. I, I yeah. think from from my from my memory of watching it like an hour ago, um, I, I think Ray got. Uh, kind of like uh, overwhelmed really quickly because Leo kind of was like, they had that little discussion about like, Oh, call your mom. And then Ray was like, well, I can't. And he was about to get into explaining why. And then his mom walks in and then she hears this. And then she starts pushing him out and he's like, no, wait, why well, I, I really have to. And then before he knows it, like he's already like halfway out the door being pulled by Leo being pushed by Marie. Uh-huh. And at that point he's just like, well, I mean, what am I going to do? And then it just caves in. You should stand up and say, no, I want to watch my kids tonight. I want to spend some quality time and establish a relationship as a father. I want to order pizza to be delivered, which existed mm -hmm. at this point for sure. It's existed for 30 years. It's existed for Ray's whole life. He knows this is an option. It's happened. A line like, I don't have any cash or something would justify why they had to go out for pizza. But yep. there's no, it doesn't even, so I think Ray Nothing. takes a hit Nothing. on the dad score for this one. I think this 100%. knocks him down to, you know, Jim from According to Jim. <laughs> I don't know too much about I Jim. Mean, look, I mean, look, if we're talking like from a scale of one to ten, like from the beginning of the episode, if, me personally, I would have put him at like, maybe like a, like a, like a strong seven. Like he comes in, yeah. he tries to do the right thing and he works to help the kids um, he ends up bribing them, but I think, you know, he, he had good intentions and he really just wanted to kind of calm the situation down for this maneuver. I wouldn't give him all the fault because if oh, I do, because if if Leo didn't come 
and it was just his mom, I think he would have, uh, like, you know, you would have talked to her for a little bit and then kind of eventually gotten her out. I think he was pressured and under the pressure he broke. I would take like a point off for that. Okay. He also knew that the kids were not going to be in any sincere like danger. Yeah. True, but it's, I don't. I don't know. I like he can also stand up for himself. He's not like he can say no. Well, that's his all arc of the episode, Mike. That got yeah. that's gonna get reset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm still. I'm, I'm knocking him down more than that. I'm giving him a five. At yeah, I would put thing. him at a five. So who's like the most middle of the road dad in sitcom history? Who is the five? Is it Tim Taylor? Who's Tim Taylor? Is that Tim is the that Tool Man Taylor? Yeah, Home is Improvement. The, I, I'd, I'd probably put it at Home Improvement level right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. It's yeah, kind of. Yeah, dad. I like that. Okay, so right now Ray is out for pizza, and Marie agrees to watch the kids while they're gone. And of course, yep. in the process of that, so the first thing she does is goes over to Sneaks their around. mail. Yeah. And goes and looks at the literally receipts. Yeah. yeah, goes through their receipts, which some of these things are quirky, and some of them are like serious invasions of privacy. Like the mm-hmm. whole thing about Frank listening to their messages is super yeah. weird. And then Frank does some other weird things in this scene where it's like that's that crosses some kind of line. He, I want to okay, wake the kids so, up. So yeah, he he and Robert just like they barge yeah. in like. Sleeping. There it is. Hey, I just want to see them. Come on, it's early. I just want to see the kids. They can sleep when we go. No, no, no. You want to see something? A hundred and twenty dollar receipt from Victoria's Secrets. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> what the hell's a bustier? I think that's pretty funny. That's yeah, it's a good. It's a good line. Mispronunciation. Kind of, kind of chuckle. Okay, so this is Robert oh, uh, looking at the. For his sports column. Never ends for Raymond. Oh, Robbie. Everybody loves Raymond. Of course, title drop. You just words. hear the, the, the despair in his voice. Ray goes to work. People do the wave. Then <laughs> he sits down, has a hot dog, doodles on a piece of paper, they give him a trophy. <laughs> He does to the tell you the tap, truth, I think that Raymond thing. is wasting his life writing sports. I mean, a writer should be writing short stories and poetry. You think I'm wasting my life? <laughs> well, it's different with you, dear. Okay, so Robert is a New York City cop. He's who, a sergeant, I believe. Yes who has undiagnosed mental illness and festering resentment and anger, do we think, let's just put it all out on the table, Uh huh. do you think today Robert would have been at January 6th? Do you think Robert <laughs> would My be God, Adam. one of the very high percentage of police officers who's a white nationalist? Jesus, dude. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say probably not. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna very much hope not. Yeah, I think uh, season nine, Robert. No, 
But I, I mean, think yeah, dude this, figures a lot out. Yes. In, in these nine seasons, I think actually that's a good point. If the internet is in full swing today, I think you're right. I think four chan sucks him up. I, I see Robert as this Robert as a type of person who can be easily manipulated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think I I can see what you're saying. I don't think that at this moment. Robert Barone and it's season one, episode one, Robert Barone would go there, but I do think he would be a target to persuade someone to go down that road. Yeah. So he's he would be a target, but I don't think he is. No, I mean, I don't think he is at this point. I'm Mm -hmm. he would definitely under the current ecosystem be radicalized. With this much anger and <laughs> resentment, though, is what you're, I'm saying. Like, he's clearly... You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You know, this is how people get drawn in. They are angry. They're not happy with where they are in life. They're looking for a place to belong. Re- obviously, Robert isn't getting it at home. His own mother says it's different with him. You know, she kind mm-hmm. of implies that he's wasting his life. He's living at home with his pa- Robert is, at this point, an incel, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Actually, you're you're probably a hundred percent right. We we haven't we learned about his woman troubles later on, but yeah. we don't know too much about him yet. But yeah, I mean, he fits the bill at this moment. You're a hundred percent right about that. I just think um, it's a very stark character at this point, and I'm glad that as the series goes on, he gets dug out of this hole a little bit because you know, speculating as to where these characters would be now. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be optimistic for season one, Robert, or pilot True Robert. Point. Yeah. True point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Because Frank would definitely have, you know. Be dead. Oh, what? oh yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah, He exactly. would be like 112 years old. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're right about that, though. Okay. So, yeah, they... Uh... They all come over and they all cause a fracas. The kids get waking up. Now, here's the thing that I want to know, because eventually Ray comes home. Ray kicks him out and says, now you got to go. You got to go after the kids are running amok. Mm-hmm. Does Raymond actually clean up? Or was that Marie? And he's taking. Uh, no, that place was kind of messy when he got home. OK, and he yeah. Kicked them out right away. So I saw had- like toys laying out, things like that. I think he actually cleaned. OK, OK. I'm going to give him credit on that one. I think so, too. I just want to point out one of my favorite gags in the episode is Robert tapping the twins' chins with the spoon while he's feeding <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, that's a fun That was one. the that's funniest choice I had yeah. uh, noticed. Yeah, that, that, um, that one's great. I think it's interesting to... Let me scrub a little bit and see if... Okay, so, well, let's talk about the sniffing the heads thing for a second. The fountain of youth. The fountain of youth. Yeah. Um, that doesn't go away either, I don't think. Does it not? I don't think so. Have you ever seen that in real life? Like, I know no. people say that babies have, like, a smell. They Babies do have a smell. Do people relish it like that, though? Like, that seems... I, I do not know. This I've is one of the things where does. it's, like, it crosses the line from quirky to a little, like weird right you know for me if it wasn't his own grandkids then i think it would cross the line for right i don't know i think it's weird to do with anyone so i'm at the very moment that he pushes robert out the door and then we get a uh like a, a dissolve and then the house is clean so i think we can assume 
that Ray I'm cleaned the house himself. Okay. So that bumps him back up in my view to like a seven. I I, 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 I don't six. I don't bump him up because I think he does it out of out of like you know obviously fear self preservation. Yeah, self preservation, yeah. and he doesn't do a thorough enough job to even hide what had happened because Deborah finds mm-hmm. out like immediately after checking on the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm keeping him at a six from where I originally had him. Well, I would bump him up from a five to a six. So I think yeah. we're, we're all even on that. So, okay. So he's a six above average at this point. Right. So yeah, Deborah comes home. She's grateful. She implies heavily that they're going to have sex and, uh, Ray is very horny, as we've established. Ray runs up the stairs. He uh, then throws all the pillows off the bed. Doesn't do any other, like, he says, uh, good old sex. Yeah, good old <laughs> sex. Takes his shoes off. You know, as one does, yeah. He says, I'm going to do new stuff. While um, he's untying his shoes. While he's untying his shoes. <laughs> Um, Do we want to so, go into deep an- analyzation of this one? I mean, from I what I just want to like just get your mind started on speculating. <laughs> I mean, look from 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 like my thought of it, like from what I hear, there is like the way he was talking about it makes me feel like from his perspective, he does not have enough sex. So when he gets it, he has to take advantage and try new things now because mm, right. when else is he going to try them? It's interesting that this is his intention but we don't hear what deborah's take on it i think she's open to new stuff i think they're both trying really hard because then we see in like the the later scene that deborah is equally horny as ray deborah's a freak yeah she just she just has (laughs) other stuff going on um or other concerns so yeah i think they're both open to doing some new stuff but then she goes and she finds that the twins smell like old spice um and this was the pre-Terry Crews Yeah, this is when Old Spice yeah. is for old dudes. Yeah. yeah, this was before the tagline, Old yeah. Spice, if your grandfather hadn't worn it, you wouldn't exist. Right. Horny. Um, old Spice is horny, yeah. Old Spice oh, yeah. is horny. So yeah. horny count three, Ray, Deborah, and Old Spice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then Deborah is disappointed in him and is basically, I think everything she's saying is very reasonable. I think and so. And she's too. just trying to set healthy boundaries. Like, I'm full on on Deborah's side on this. Mm-hmm. I think. Who would not disinviting be on Deborah's side? No one. Um, but I think disinviting them does put Ray in. Like, that creates, like, dramatic tension here. What I think. Like, Ray is actually has a choice to make now. Yeah. From my perspective, what I think should have been done is having uh, uh, Frank Marie and Robert over and having a talk with all of them about boundaries. Right. Instead of Ray lying to them and then having them barge in. Yes. And then you create that sort of need for Ray to do his sort of dressing down of them. Um, so the scene that follows is the fruit of the month club Hell scene, yeah. oh, great, which great freaking scene. There's 20 seconds left on this peacock ad and then I'll play it. It's just like, and, and you'll see it in From 20 start seconds, to end, yeah. but like, it's just, it's just one of the better comedically timed scenes that we've seen. Honestly, in anything Raymond so far, but it's such, it's such a good, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, just they Marie both, is such yeah, a... They bounce off so well yeah. from each other. Yeah. Excellently done. Her choices are so big in yeah. this scene, too. To be so upset. Okay. To be so upset about something so small. Listen, I wanted to talk to you about Deborah's birthday. Oh, my God. Talk about birthdays. Your birthday gift to me finally came this morning. Did you know you sent me a box of pears? Yeah, yeah. From a place called Fruit of the Month? That's right. That's right. How are they? Oh, they're very nice pears. <laughs> but there's so many of them. <laughs> they're over a dozen pears. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with all those pears? <laughs> I think you're supposed to eat them. Uh... Myself? You, you and Dad and Robert. How many pears can Robert eat? Oh, I appreciate the thought, Raymond, but please don't ever send us any more food again, okay? <laughs> so, well, uh, another box just... is coming next month. What? More pears? No. <laughs> no, it's a different fruit every month. Every month? Yes, yes, that's why they call it Fruit of the Month Club. It's a club? Oh, what am I going to do with all this fruit? Well, most people like it, Ma. You share it. Share it with all your friends. Which friends? I don't know. Lee and Stan. Lee and Stan buy their own fruit. Oh, oh, why did you throw oh, this fruit? <laughs> I can't talk to so much fruit in the house. Oh, 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 Good the speed. panic, yeah. yes, but uh, it's al- amazing. Also, from that very funny scene, we also see like a little bit more into like Marie's psychology. Where like, first of all, like Raymond goes to return like the fork. Uh, no, thank you. No, like any sort of like appreciation, yeah. just like a straight up like kind of deflection or like you know, passive aggressiveness. And then you know he comes over and he clearly has something he wants to talk about. He brings up birthdays, and then she immediately brings it back to her with yeah. the with the with the fruit box, and then that takes over the entire conversation, which for us is great because comedy. Yeah, it's interesting the push and pull between them trying to because you got to imagine this is how Ray's entire life has been of like trying to get attention from her and her pulling it back to herself and what race doing to her the idea that she says why are you doing this to me is such a funny choice because you sort of get that sense of you know nothing and you know for ray to be like the favorite son it's less but imagine what it's like for robert where nothing is good enough and your uh gifts are looked upon as a burden which is a really interesting dynamic, mm-hmm. um, even though it's very funny in this scene. And then for Frank to come in and then... <laughs> uh, uh, what is the line? Hold on. Let me the, the line, I believe, is Ray signed us up for some kind of cult. Yeah. Uh, some <laughs> Do you know that the fruit keeps coming month after month? He's got us in some kind of a cult. It's not a cult, Ma. It's a club. What do you mean, month after month? For how long? A year. My God, are you out of your mind? I'm so sorry, Dad. What do you think we are, invalids? We can't go out and get our own fruit? I'm trying to tell them. All right, I'm canceling the fruit club. Oh, oh, good. Thank you, Raymond. Thank you. And don't do that again. Just the way Frank enunciates himself. It's just very funny to me. Peter Boyle's a great, great actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so then he goes on and tells them that 
the party is canceled. And that they're going to Bear Mountain. Bear Mountain. Okay, yeah. so I grew up, not on Long Island, but I grew up very close to Bear Mountain. Do you know mm-hmm. where Bear Mountain is? Oh, I've been there many times. Yes, when it's I f- right. Yeah, when, go ahead. When I first watched this episode all those years ago, I thought Bear Mountain was just a thing he made up. We're going to Bear Mountain. It's real. It's, yeah, it's, a, um, it's, it's actually purportedly very, shaped like a bear, hence the name. I've, I've never seen it from above, but you know what? It's a very nice mountain. I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, it's basically like a like imagine a Catskills resort for the 50, from the fifties, and then shrink it down to just a picnic area and yeah. a zoo and a hotel, accurate, um, yeah. and a pool. Um, oh, I never got. I to used the pool. to go there a couple. We, we oh, did, it's a huge pool. No, we only um, we only did the hikes. We didn't we didn't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. There's the hikes, and then did you go to the zoo? I did not go to the zoo. I didn't oh, know you have to go zoo. under the road to get to the zoo. It's oh, a little it's a underpass. secret location. It's not a secret. It's well publicized, well, but um, I wasn't aware of it. Well, well, I think it may have been kept a secret from you. Okay. Um, but I just thought that was a nice little touch of local color. Um, it is that really puts it in space a little bit. Very little, mm-hmm. very, very, very kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so so he straight up lies to their faces. Yes, he lies to them. Um, I don't remember Robert coming in. Oh yeah, he just says Raymond's taking the piss <laughs> as, <laughs> as he walks out. <laughs> Very end. Um. Okay, and then so he comes back, and um, do they? I don't know if this is the same day or if this is the day. No, this is the day of the birthday. Yep, and. Deborah is incredibly grateful or just so horny because they immediately get it on. And Presumably about to try some new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, good old sex. Ray's about to take his shoes sex. off. <laughs> um, but it go, I feel like it lingers on this for a long time, which is interesting because... What, them making out or... Yeah, them making out. It's. I felt like it went on a beat longer than I expected it to. Which it's inter- I don't think I remembered there being so much sexuality in this show. Um, maybe I it goes thought away. Of it, it is. Yeah, maybe it is it does. the pilot. So this is probably going to be a pretty different episode or experience from like the rest of the show True. in some aspects. And to be honest, I'm not quite sure. I remember there not being like a ton. But maybe in the early seasons, it's more. I do remember my parents changing the channel, not infrequently. So it's... uh, Really? While you were watching this? What? Yeah, we were... Well, well, not while we were watching this episode in particular. But, I mean, if we were, they would have changed it during this this scene at the line right. good old sex they would they <laughs> definitely would have been like nope let's go watch spongebob or something good like that sex. yeah you don't think spongebob has good old sex yeah and then squidward's like oh good old sex good. don't even i'm gonna try something off. new <laughs> um but no it goes on for a while and i was just surprised at it, it what i thought of is like a family sitcom having like such overt like clearly these two are trying to fuck, but I they can't because like, they have kids and in-laws. I believe it's like when the when you mentioned the intro of the the treadmill where the family's on the treadmill yeah. behind them, Ray says in the intro, and it just stuck in my mind for so long. Like we have a two, we have a daughter and two twin boys, and then whispers to the camera, "It's not really about the kids," which I always took as a subtle hint of like parents change the channel kind of thing, which I thought was. 
Well, that's oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, an that's interesting read on that. Um, okay. So then they almost fuck. And <laughs> I just think it's really funny. Again, Doris Roberts being the strongest part of this. The way she can she comes in. So hold on. It's playing this right now. Excellent. And he's unbuttoning and she's unbuttoning and it's just very steamy. Getting ready for some new stuff. Yep, they're about to do some good old sex. <laughs> just her choosing to scream. Like she was stabbed in the heart. <gasps> How dare you fuck your wife? I do want to point out um, that this may have been a blessing in disguise for, for those two as after Marie, Frank, and Robert leave, like 30 seconds later, their daughter comes downstairs. So if they were oh, not true. interrupted, they would have been way right. further along. Yeah. You're right. So, uh... That's an... In- yeah, no, you know I hadn't thought about you, that. You gotta look at the bright side. It's a very good point. It's a very Saved. good point. Yeah, not only does Marie scream as if being stabbed, but well, actually, uh, that Robert probably woke up the daughter. Now that I think about oh, it, oh, maybe. Well, you it does what? seem to be the middle of the day, so maybe not. I don't 2. know. Point two, true we point don't have two. that kind. It's kind of like end of a party time, maybe like five o'clock. I'd guess what what sort of party? Like a thirty-year-old <laughs> like mother's Ooh. birthday party. Uh, yeah, like goes to the real ravers. Ragers. Like sort of like a baby shower time yeah. line. Yeah, I'm not. Th- I don't okay. think they're gonna have a rager at the Barone home. Like a Easter lunch or they something like that. Like when that's wrapping up. Cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Easter lunch. That's my um, birthday. But uh, so Marie screams. Robert draws his gun, which again, <laughs> which so look, a lot it, of, it raises a lot of questions. Number one, why is he bringing his gun? To, <laughs> Over to the house. Does he have it on him all the was time? He, he wasn't in uniform, right? No, he was wearing no, a he's shirt wearing that a said suit. police. No, I think he's wearing a suit and tie. Wait, why is he wearing a suit and tie? They, they're not coming over for a party. They expect the house to be empty. They do. They brought gifts anyway. I think they were like trying to drop it off or something. Yeah. Is it, are they on their way to church? Are they, Marie and Frank are Sunday. dressed normally, but like not slovenly and not fancily robert is wearing a full suit though so i don't know but he draws his gun which again raises some red flags Mm -hmm. right so if this if this robert is today's robert he's not somebody you want to spend any time with no 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 no. you want to you want to check that guy's internet history before you. this robert is had to make his body cam footage public is <laughs> my read yes. after a certain at amount some went, point. Di- went, went missing at some point in time right <laughs> yeah um yes he draws his gun and then puts it away There's and like, it's also yeah. like in the background too it's like it's not like that was not like mm-hmm. the main joke like it's a background kind of actually game. that's a good point ray isn't yeah. scared he just says holster your weapon like very nonchalantly which brings me to the question, how often does Robert quick draw on his own Exactly, family? that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like this, Robert at this point is someone to be concerned about. Yeah. Okay, okay. so then Ray uh, admits that he lies and he has this whole monologue about, okay. Deborah wanted us to have a day to ourselves. And me too, me too. But Deborah's the one. She's got a... <laughs> 
Throws Deborah under the bus. That's going to cost him. On the dad scale. I've noticed it. <laughs> like dad. You know, I know you try to be funny, but like with the twins, maybe you shouldn't say, I think little Matthew has homosexual tendencies. <laughs> and Ma, you can't be so critical. And if you're going to be critical, could you please call before you come over here, really, so we could be ready for it? Both of you, could you both call? We have to prepare. There's bills and receipts we hide, and then we chant a little. <laughs> Now listen, we, we love you both, but this is our house and Deborah's my wife. And if you can't accept what I'm telling you, well, then you can't come over here anymore. Unless you call first. <laughs> he almost had it. Almost yep. got it. That's it, I think I did it all. Right? Well, this has nothing to do with me. Just... <laughs> all right. So, I have a couple things to say about that. Yes. First and foremost, from a logistical continuity perspective, the twins' names for the majority of the series right. are Michael and Gregory. I do not know why in this one episode but the, his name is Matthew. It's just a continuity thing that kind of bugged me this episode. Right. Yeah. I don't know why either, and I think they're based on Ray's real twin sons, but I so don't... have a name change at some point? No, but I think maybe they changed it um, from, let me see what his son's names are, uh, personal life. All right, well, while, has, while Adam is looking that up, I'm going to, I'm just going to put put it out there that also, like, like I said, I don't think Ray has this conversation at all if Deborah is not leaning over his shoulder dictating his every move. You know what I mean? I think he's there yeah. because it's like... All right, I got to do this or else I won't be able to try the new stuff. That's a great point. Yeah. Like it's it, he's very much appeasing Deborah in this moment. I can see that Ray is also kind of like wanting to set boundaries with his parents, but I think he's a little too spineless to do it without True. Deborah's initiative. True. I'm wondering how much of this oh, first of all, um the, in the pilot, they were named Gregory and Matthew after his real-life sons, but then he didn't want his all of his ch- television children to have the same names as his real children, so they changed it to Jeffrey and Michael. Um, oh, that's it. Although okay. Allie is the name of his real-life daughter, so I don't know why they didn't change that as well. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. But... um. I wonder how much of what we're reading from Ray is because, like, for what should be kind of a, you know, like, it's a real big moment for Ray in a way setting these boundaries. His delivery of this monologue is kind of flat, you know, as we've noticed. Mm -hmm. And how much of what we're reading is his, you know, spinelessness or uh, meekness is just him not being a very good actor at this point. I don't think so. I, I'm going to listen. It's possible. I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to go with what I'm seeing. I think it's because he's more scared of Deborah than he is of his mom. I agree. That's, that's what I mm. think this is, which sure. Yeah. He stands up for it. Blah, 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 blah. 
I honestly, this brings it down in the dad factor for me because he butchers this. Oh yeah, he butchers this. No, he does it terrible. I would, I bring him. I'm putting him at a four at the conclusion of this episode. I think that's what Alex, speaking to what Alex was talking about about like his intention versus his action. Like he accomplishes the mission, which is to set a boundary and kicking and uh, screaming. He got dragged there, but yeah, he did. Yeah, but yeah, his intention was just to appease Deborah. It wasn't because he was you know, trying to really make her life better. Yeah, exactly. Um, he wants to keep everyone happy, but not because he's, like, empathetic, but because he doesn't want to fight. He yeah. doesn't want to, like, confront. He's afraid of conflict. Yeah. He is. Okay. So we're, he's at a four right now? Four. I, I put him, I'm, I'm keeping him at a five. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give him Alex, a four. Alex is very, very kind. I yeah. am a, I'm a kind grader. So if we're if we are averaging out, he's currently at a four point three for this at episode one. Yes, on the dead mark. Cool. That's good. Quick math. Did yeah. you do that in your head? I sure did. Wow. All right. Um, so he makes this big speech, and then Marie basically says, "We understand. It's fine. Uh, would you make such a big deal about it?" And then they leave, and um. Then, like you mentioned, they're about to get it on again. Again, very horny. And then Allie comes down the stairs. And I think that's... Oh, and then we go to um, the, uh, like, sort of... Oh, yeah, the fade-out the fade scene, which I also yeah. have a lot to say about. Say about. Um, fade-out scene is a fine little bit. It's a, it's a funny little joke where they're looking over the cribs. Deborah's like, oh, how cute. And Ray's like, well, if they're older and they get ugly, it's going to suck for them because there are two of them. Uh, right. I think it's fine. I think it's a funny little bit, but it struck me very much as like a he's trying to go for the Seinfeld on stage well, conclusion. It is a bit of a bit from his stand up. Yeah. Uh, okay. He does this. I don't remember if he does it on the Letterman, but he does it on a clip I watched um, from Just for Laughs. Um, this is like verbatim from his standup and there's a couple other things that I think are taken from or at least inspired by bits from his act so I think it's really interesting because I hadn't seen any of his uh, act that was contemporaneous to this before but like you can sort of see where you know the leap from based on the comedy of Ray Romano to this is literally from his act, and we're just repurposing it here. Um, is I'll, interesting. I'll be honest; I'm kind of okay with that. Like, yeah, my, my, my favorite, especially for a pilot. Yeah, my favorite yeah. TV show that's out right now is Ted Lasso, um, and just like they recycled those jokes from the from the commercials that uh, Jason Sudeikis did, and I am totally okay with it because it's very very funny. So yeah, yeah, I'm not mad at it. I'm just it's interesting to notice. Yeah. Um, true. And, like, how many people, especially at that time, had seen his act on lot. TV? Yeah, if if they didn't see The Letterman, like, mm -hmm. what were the other opportunities? There was no YouTube. Right. Um, yeah, so that is the end of the episode. And I think final ratings, let's talk about that. Final ratings for Ray as a father based on this episode. Overall, I'm going to give him... A, I'm going to even him out at a five because I think the moments where he's good, he is 
you know, he's doing the functions of fatherhood pretty well. He is keeping the house clean. He's keeping the kids fed and putting them to bed. And um, he never leaves them unattended. Like, he does everything he's supposed to do. But his motivation is so suspect and he's so lazy throughout the whole thing and sort of like he seems very content to just like pass his children off to other people um which you know really cost him in this and i hope that's something that changes in the pilot i'm glad leo dies under mysterious circumstances (laughs) to feel like he was a bad influence on him but overall i'm gonna give ray a five for this mike um, I'm gonna, I, I see your argument. I think you're right. He does accomplish a bunch. He accomplishes the bare minimum, but I have faith in the common man. And I'm just going to say that like, yeah, sure. He hits the, he hits where he's supposed to hit, but at the same time at five, we're basically saying, Hey, he's an average father. And I just, I'm hoping that's not true. I'm hoping he's at least a little below average. So I'm going to say probably between a four and a five. I can't, can we give decimals? I, I'll give him a 4.5. That's interesting. Um, I don't really see the f- the scale and the sort of average score as being intertwined like that. I think you would find like most dads rate a 7 or an 8. Ah, okay. You know? Or what we consider to be like the minimum of like to a good fall dad. into the good dad. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I think if I think you start to sort of feel concerned at like five and six. Gotcha. Okay. I I, in my mind, one is like this person should not have custody of these children. (laughs) Right. True. And should probably be in jail. True. Okay. And 10 is father of the year kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if one is like balloon boys parents, 10 is like the National Spelling Bee champions parents. I don't. Do you remember Balloon Boy? Boy? Is Balloon Boy a reference to? uh, Oh wait, you mean the kid that was taken up in the? the, Oh yes, I do remember that. Um, Yeah, where they lied about him being taken up in the hot air balloon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balloon Boy. Yeah, Balloon Boy. Um. Um, Okay. Yeah. And then in that case, in that light, yeah, I guess I guess a five is fair. I still feel like that's a little generous, but it's episode one. I'll give it to him. Well, what's your your rating? Is five or four? I'll give it five. I'll give it five. Okay. Yeah. Alex? Um, I do also want to say that uh, the internet has ruined me. You said Balloon Boy, and I thought of Five Nights at Freddy's. Hmm, I don't know what that is. That, we're, we're too old really? for that Really? I mentioned uh, Samford and Son earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow, that's fascinating. Um, I, know, I, I know. corrected Mike about Samford and Son <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> wow. That's the level I'm operating our, our, at. Sorry, I... <laughs> fucking i don't know um well regardless i'm sure that hit very hard with the uh the i'm saying with, with a with like this. a certain number of people potentially listening to this that's where their mind's gonna go and they're gonna they're gonna think you'll that's see a hilarious reference. maybe i'm yeah. sure that's a clear generational dividing line of I what think you think is. of when you hear balloon boy mm-hmm. i think that's kind of the point i was trying to make where mm-hmm. that that name is going to mean different things for different people uh raymond let's see so I'm kind of also I'm with you both on this one. I'm I think I'm going to end with a five for me. Ray danced between five and seven in this episode. I started him off at a seven because of 
kind of his efforts coming in. He was out doing his job, though. Like, he wasn't just, like, ditching for no mm-hmm. reason. Um, he comes in the second he's in. He's helping uh, He's helping Deborah. Uh, throughout the episode, he uh, very obviously uh, is hesitant to uh, kind of go against Deborah. Um, he's kind of doing fatherly things for maybe not always the right reasons. We do also forget there's a moment in this uh, episode where Ray is just with his three kids and he's just having like a fun dad moment where he's mixing up the twins. He's we shuffling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't mention the dumb, the, the twin curls. Or yeah, the twin flies. Yeah. The yeah. twin curls. Like he has like fun moments with the kids. That's a good point. He, he is like a fun dad. Um, but I think, uh, you know, from from when it really counts, I think he did what he had to do. But I think, like, under different circumstances, like, he was looking for any way to not do what he had to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm leaving him at a clean five. I'm going to let him kind of start right in the middle. And uh, we'll, we'll see how he grows or falls from here. Okay. Um, I'm noting it. Episode one. Season one, episode one, Ray scores a five. And we're going to be keeping track of this as we move on. For those those, uh, ELELR uh, listeners that uh, are big time into uh, statistics. Yeah, we're going to keep track of multiple statistics on this and then release a a report at the end of the year. Absolutely. I do also want to say for the father uh, rate, I do consider like husband rating as well like you know how he does as a husband yeah i'm I'm seeing them as the same i I think that is important to state Mm -hmm. let's just say it's like ray at his worst to ray at his best like keep it as like in the role of husband and father Mm -hmm. how is ray doing each time it kind of makes sense that we'd start him off right at the middle the ray meter yeah Yeah. the ray meter let's call it the ray meter so solid five on the ray meter. Ooh, we wait. were not super happy with him. The barometer. Yeah. The baronometer. The barometer. Baroniometer. We'll, we'll workshop it. The baronometer. That, there we go. We got the there. baronometer. Something like that. The baronom- Yeah, the baronometer. We'll have Baron- it for you next time. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, baronometer. Okay. Well, I think we did it. I think, I think we, we <laughs> we're like doing <laughs> just the outro is gonna take. Maybe a couple we should just of, sign of off with like one of us saying everybody, one of us saying loves, one of us saying Raymond. Uh, that's that's a how about way we to do this? It. How we do, <laughs> how about we do this? We go everybody loves, loves Raymond and and then all together we love you. <laughs> You know, the outro is going to take a couple. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be, nope, I kind of like that. This I is the like one. It. Okay. Next week on Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond, uh, we're going to be watching season one, episode two, mm-hmm. which uh, is the first official episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. And we are going to sign off with our classic sign off of. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to get into it organically. Is Join it. Watch along with us. There's just one. Last thing to say, everybody loves Raymond, and we We love love you. you. (laughs) Nope. -uh. (laughs) Nuh-uh.